Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. I'm your host, Conor O'Neill, joined today by Chris Beasley and Gav Buckland to look back on Everton's 2-2 draw against Leicester City at the King Power. It was a game built by many Blues supporters as a do-or-die in the club yeah. battle to avoid relegation to the Championship. But Bees was someone who was at the King Power on yeah. Monday night. The outcome leaves us no clear on where, where we're going moving forward. Yeah, we said before the game, as much as we'd obviously like to see Everton return to winning ways and they're going to have to, when at some point, if they're going to stay up, that it was, it was a must-not-lose, rather... Than, than a must win. People have had their own opinions about that afterwards, after such a bright start from Everton, the fact they got their noses ahead early on. Was it a couple of points dropped? But we've, I think we've got to remember, given Everton's chronic away record and the fact that they were you know, within a hair's breath of being 3-1 down just before half-time. As, as unfortunate and as unlucky as that might have been, you know, that's how that's how close it, it was. You know, they were, you know, mm-hmm. if, if Jordan Pickford hadn't held his nerve and we can talk about that going forward, but you know, I see Stanley's ground on that penalty rather than diving early and thinking that Madison's going to go down the middle. You know, could have easily been three one down. That probably would have been it. So to come back from that, I suppose we've got, we've got to take that um, going forward. But in the, important, importantly, what it, it prevented was Leicester City going four points um, clear of Everton. They remain in touching distance for now. And uh, to be fair, the, the the performance was much more encouraging. In certain respects, um, after uh, the capitulation against uh, Newcastle United, Gav, when that full sound was so blue on Monday night, what were your immediate thoughts? Uh, more positive than what they were on Thursday night, and that's take, taking up what Chris was saying there. Uh, I think the, the the overarching sort of impression I've got is I'm more confident about staying up after the Leicester game than what it was after the Newcastle game, and that's um, that's a positive for me. But for two reasons, A, it was a must-not-lose game, as Chris said, but I took a lot of heart from the performance. And I took, it was it was good to see from the start that the players were showing a lot more heart and desire than what they have done previously. You know, for, for most of the last sort of seven or eight games under Dyson, virtually all of the Frank Lampard um, time this season. And I, I think the players will get a lot of confidence from that for the rest of the campaign. I think... Um, yeah, you know, we'll talk about tactics and stuff probably later on, but I think we've said all season that James Garner should, you know, I think he'd be an asset in midfield to make it far more balanced. I thought Calvert Lewin looked sharp. I thought McNeil was excellent. And we had a penalty save for Pickford. And there were some negatives, of course, within that. But I certainly don't see it as two points lost. I see it as a point one with plenty of heart and design. If we show that for the rest of the season, we give ourselves a chance of staying up. You know, Gav says there in terms of no heart and desire yeah. from the performance and stuff like that. The, the, the alternative view is that that is almost a little bit too late. It's coming a little bit too late, isn't it? And did we see on Monday night a kind of performance where you're thinking, where's that been? You know, where's that yeah. been for the last six or seven weeks? Because if everyone were to play like that against the likes of Fulham and others, yeah. you expect they to pick up all three points. Yeah. Well, there's a, 
that's a big concern because they're going to be pressure games going forward now. And you're thinking, can you depend upon this group of players to, to get ever and out, out of the mess? Because at the moment it remains remains tight, and it's going to be just as much as about um, that sort of mental side of, mm-hmm. of the games. It is about pure ability because there's a lot of teams who are struggling down there and are picking up um, a lot of points. We've got to we've got to be positive though, as, as Gaff says. Nowadays. After that Newcastle game, I mean. Everyone was really flat, rightly so. After after that, it, it felt that that was a, possibly the, the, where the balance tipped in terms of whether Everton going to stay up or not. But the results at least went their way over the weekend. That nobody pulled clear of them, and then yeah, to to, to play the way they did, and they did, and they, I mean, Schweitzer said afterwards. I mean, he he thought it was a real head scratch to the fact that they did go in behind. I mean, like I said, it could have easily been three one, but the fact they were just losing anyway two one at the break, given how well they played in that first half and how way they, how, how well they'd started the game. I suppose on the one hand, they're probably not going to play a team who is struggling as much as Leicester again now, and they're running tougher, tougher um, tests ahead in, in, in that respect. But you did have that kick. I know anonymous the game through illness, but Dyche um, was getting the, the cavalry back. Now it's another game for Calvert Lewin albeit from the penalty spot, but he's up and running now again from, from a scoring point of view. And hopefully that can play a, a big part in, in, in um, the running. Obviously, the one major um, headache from that game is that is Seamus Coleman's um, injury because I've been waiting on an update, but it's not it's not looking good for Seamus for the rest of the season now. And um, the way that the um, his leadership, um, but at least they were able they were able to carry that on after after Seamus went off injured. It's not like they, they, they capitulated again. In fact, they, they got stronger again, regrouped and uh, managed to get a share of the spoils. We are we are going to come on to, to Seamus Coleman, but Gav, just when you look back on the performance of the whole, do you think it's almost the case of we saw the good, the bad and the ugly of Everton on Monday night in the sense of there was really some oh, good yeah, yeah, I'm sure Leicester will probably say the same for them yeah. as well. It was one of them rare games where both sets of fans went out to the match probably with this exact same set of emotions. Yeah. Really. And I'm, 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 I'm saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was proper car crash football, wasn't it, really? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think good was at the start, wasn't it? I think we had fit, you know, they equalised against the run of play. It was a shocking goal to concede. But I think we had eight of the first nine shots. Was it something like that? Mm. In the in the game, the the bad was the yeah well the bad enough that you could say was the defender for the first goal. We got away with one man Vardy at the bar of Obi's pass, and well that, that was the ugly really, I suppose. And the bad was Seamus's injury. You know, in the, the great scheme of things, and it was funny, wasn't it, for the first half that we'd largely dominated. We could have gone in four one down, mm. couldn't we really? Which would have been catastrophe <laughs> totally illogical so yeah we, it, it was. I think we said on Friday if you'd watched the Leicester Leeds game last week the last 15 minutes of that we were probably going to get 90 minutes of that at the workers on on Monday and that's exactly what we got really wasn't it it was, it was car crash football where you didn't want to watch but you were sort of forced into it and we saw a lot, I, I get what you're saying about the Fulham game in previous matches but but we in Fulham we did have no Decore, we had no Calvert Lewin, we had no James Garner to give us more balance in the middle of the pitch, and, and, and as well as more heart and desire. I think the difference was better balanced team, dare I say, better players in. I mean, I had Coleman a, a bit from the start. Do, do you think these, you know, obviously, 
the major talking point, well, not the major talking point, but the major disappointment for Everton was that injury to Seamus Coleman. It was a real, you know, hammer blow in terms of how it occurred, how it happened. You know, it, it seems a, a bit of a, a not robust challenge, but, you know, a, a strong challenge, but one that you wouldn't leave, expect to lose the way what has done. <laughs> but, you know, in terms of he, you suspect he won't play in Everton yeah. this season. And just whenever it needs, needs people to stand up and make themselves count, these one who man who continually does that, then now we're out the, the true leader who has been known to galvanise so last year, help pull the group over the line. Yeah, um, it was just the awkward way he fell, wasn't it? It's, he seemed to turn his leg. It was really, like they said, it, was, it wasn't the challenge so much as the way he fell. And it didn't look good at all. You know, Seamus does not want to go down easily, is he? So, you know, you could see from the start if he was in trouble and then it didn't look good. But if they're going to do it, they do it for Seamus. I mean, the measure of the man, wasn't it? The way he's been stretched off. And he almost like got up, didn't he? Off his stretcher, sort of like salute the fans and his players as, as he went off. And that's the measure of the man. He's the man. Frank Lampard described just under a year ago, wasn't he, as, as the best man I've ever met. And um, it's, it's not so much, I mean, from a football point of view now, I mean, when he was younger, he discussed this on the pod many a time with Gab, saying now he's, you know, one of the top right-backs in the whole Premier League. Um, but even now, at this latter stage of his career, it's what he, it's what he brings as a personality. They'd sorely missed um, that and the, the sort of the games against Fulham and Newcastle that slipped away. It's probably no um, coincidence that Coleman wasn't on the pitch for either of those. We're really hoping to see that now for the running. Won't have that. Um, so it's another... Um, Dilemma for Deitch in what has proven to be a problem position there. Um, ben Godfrey and Mason Holgate struggled in that position. Um, Nathan Patterson got his chance. It'll be interesting to see who, who gets the nod now. But yeah, it's probably going to be about Seamus. But you know, if Everton never did need uh, sort of um, um, someone as, as an inspiration now in, in, in the fight to stay up, do, do it for Seamus. Do it for Seamus Coleman. Don't let um, his Everton career and, and, and like this. I mean, it's the hope. From his point of view, you know, he's back forever and in whatever division they're in next season. But, you know, do it for Seamus in the way that he was doing it for the fans and for his teammates and the gesture he made uh, when he went off. Gav, you know, you, you've spoke at length in, in recent weeks about how much Seamus Coleman's been missed and, and how much his return will be so big for Everton in terms of having that character and, and that leader. And, you know, I know Beast touched on it there, but it, it was leadership's lacking at the club. There he is on a stretcher, you know, potentially haven't played maybe his last game for Everton, we don't know, you know, given his, his contract situation. But yet he's still there, you know, trying to cheer out, you know, rally the troops and, and get, you know, and get into his bit, you know what I mean? And that's just a, 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 a testament to the man, isn't it? You know, he's yeah, he will be missed in, in this run. I know he probably will still be around the place, but not having him on the pitch is a huge blow for, for Sean Dyche and Everton. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. 
Learn more at marines.com. Oh, yeah, yeah. There I say, off the pitch as well at training and just generally traveling around, you know, his presence and he is the club captain. Yeah, it was. I think I may have put the muckers on him on Monday because I said before the game that we've seen his second go second with Leon Osman on 352 Premier League appearances and only two behind Tim Howard's record. Thinking if he plays between now and all the games in the rest of the season, he'll beat it by the end of the season. But obviously, faces other plans. Yeah, that is a measure of the man. And if you're going to have an epitaph, I think as an Everton player, and hopefully it isn't. It's it's going to be. Typical of shame as it's lying on a stretcher, like you know, with his arm in the air, you know, defiantly, you know, roaring the fans and the players on, and that was typical of the man when he was obviously in a, a lot of pain. The encouraging thing, though, was and it'd be a slightly different game against Brighton and Man City. Thought Patterson did well when he came on. Too fair, I know it was just you know, I mean, and let's face it, within this, I know we said we played well and with plenty of heart and desire. Leicester, a poor team, are Within, within this they, they, there's a reason they're down the bottom of the table with us isn't it they're a poor team and, and I see Patterson's performance in that context but I thought it's sort enough on that to, uh, to to say that he can retain his place for the for the Brighton game yeah well he started the season I know in Coleman's injured at the start of the season he started the season under Frank Lampard of course as first choice mm. right back and did um, really well before picking up an injury playing for Scotland and that's nothing but remember you know he's regular international plays regularly his country, so he's perhaps you know not the the green rookie that he's been painted sometimes by the manager. But to be fair, Sean Dyche himself actually made a point without prompt of um, mentioning how well he thought Nathan Patterson did mm-hmm. on Monday night and and coming in in difficult circumstances <coughs> in that game. So perhaps there's been a change in his thinking in that respect, or perhaps in the past where he wasn't sure whether he could trust him. Maybe there's been a change there at the King Power and. What he, he saw there, the fact that he, he you know, unprompted, he, he made the point that he felt Patterson had done well. But yeah, and, and, and certainly, it's, like we've already said, it's been a, a real problem position in, in recent weeks. Um, ben Godfrey, despite being wholly right-footed, has actually, to me, other than the United game, looks more convincing at left-back mm. than he does at, at right-back at a real couple of tough games there. Mason Holgate came in from the cold after not playing since August and because he didn't even last the 90 minutes yeah. at Crystal Palace getting sent off for the two bookings. So, yeah, you'd, you'd imagine that Patterson would, would would take the shirt now, no guarantees, but um, maybe it's a, sort of a, a change for him and an, op- and an opportunity for this last month of the season. Gav, one, you know, that was one area where there was change for Everton on Monday night, although forced, but one area where he wasn't changed, where many hoped there would be change, and that was the centre-back, with Michael Keane, given the nod alongside James Gargoski. I know me and you both spoke quite passionately about Yerry Mina not getting a look in and why we believe Yerry Mina should be given a look in. But after another tough night, I think it's safe to say for Michael Keane, where his lack of pace was brutally exposed by Jamie Vardy for Leicester second, although not helped out by the, the past Valks of all being the build-up. It again raises questions about just what Yerry Mina has to do, or Conor Cody, for instance, to even get within a sniff of, of replacing Michael Keane. Yeah, it also there's lack of understanding of the handball or I think by the... Yeah. Uh... <laughs> By the pictures you're seeing, I mean, it's just typical of him. Yeah, he had a difficult first half, didn't he, really? I thought he was at fault for the first goal. I was, I was, first goal reminds me of Newcastle's first goal last week where a, a player's allowed to get a shot off in the air and there's nobody challenging them. And I thought um, there were similarities there, even though it was in a more confined space. Then he, he got outpaced by Vardy. 
uh, not the first there I'm on, you know, over the years. Vardy just reacts to this the situation quicker than, than what Keane does, doesn't he? he? As soon as Madison gets the ball, Vardy's off, Keane doesn't react there. So it, it, that was just a failure to read the game rather than being outpaced. And then obviously we had the handball, which was quite clearly a handball. And he had a difficult evening. And yeah, we, I can only say what I've said before. What you said, Connor, not, I think the majority of Everton fans have said is Mina should be playing, or if not Mina, Cody. And I know there's lots of stats going on about how many goals we can see that Keane and the team compared to Cody. But he's a, he's a confidence player, Keane, and his confidence is shot, isn't it, really? And um, I'd play Mina. But for the simple reason that I've said this all along, if we do go down this season, I don't want it to be said that. Why have we not played Yerry Mina? Mm. That, that, that to me is the reason why I play him. I'll at least play him because I'd rather not go down, you know, have it where we go down and we've not played him. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd look at Keane again for Brighton and, and, and bring, look at bringing Mina or even Cody in, uh, to be honest with you, because the lad is obviously struggling and you've known Keane when he's. He's struggling. His his, um, his confidence is just non-existent. <coughs> Are we at the point though, be with Michael Keane, where it's almost beyond baffling that one of Cody and Mina hasn't been given an opportunity by Sean Dyche, given what we've seen all recently, because so much was made about you know Everton potentially being so much tighter under Sean Dyche, you know harder to beat, harder to break down. Where this is a team that you know conceded two the other night, conceded three against Fulham. Because he's a four against Newcastle, because he's a two at Forest. You know, this is a team that's been far from from secure at the back. I don't know. Yeah. Sean Dyche was quite quick after the Newcastle game to pinpoint the forward line as well. You know, if they they do their bit, you know, we're not reliant as much. But a lot of individual defensive errors have been made in, in the build up to them goals. Yeah. And we have to point now where it's just beyond baffling that a change hasn't been made at centre back, and, and Sean Dyche seemed prepared to just stand by Michael Keane no matter what. Was- as much as um, you might not agree with it, you can actually see where the manager's coming from and that obviously Conor Cody did have a chance at the start. He was the incumbent centre-half alongside Tarkovsky when they started and obviously then he took him out for Keane. And then I guess with the, the, the Yuri Mina one, which he's been asked about, I mean, he's not he's not gone and outright said, I'm not playing him because his contract's up at the end mm-hmm. of the season and um, I'm not convinced he won't that he'll put his body on the line for Everton Football Club. But... That's something Michael Ball has alluded to, you know, and he can say that whereas the manager probably can't be as as, as blunt mm. as that. You suspect Mina isn't playing because even though uh, amazingly, this has probably been Yeri Mina's longest run of ava- availability. He's actually been on the bench, I think, as a sub as an unused substitute for all of Daichi's games in charge. He's he's been he's an ever present on the bench, maybe because he can't get on That's to get himself that, injured. Because he's not playing, he can't get himself injured. So he's always actually been available for Daichi, but has never been picked. So you suspect <coughs> that is the reason why he's not playing. His contract's up. Daichi has very sort of strong physical demands of his players. And maybe he just, you know, Michael Ball said, you know, if there's a 50-50 out there that he has to stretch for, he's going to have to pass a medical for somebody this summer. Is he, is he going to, you know, despite what he says, obviously start fan in the street when he was confronted, is he going to put his body on the line for Brevet and Football Club at this stage? Um, because the fact that he's he's missed what is it over a hundred games, he hasn't featured in since he came to the club in the Premier League. He, you know, not that he hasn't wanted to, but he's been unable to sort of commit himself physically in the past. Maybe Connor Cody will come back in. Um, 
especially with Seamus Coleman out now, and it's another one. We've got Michael Ball's column coming up, and he's, he speaks about that with um, the leadership aspect of taking Seamus out of the team. It might be an opportune moment to bring Connor Cody back. Obviously, you won't be able to play in an ultimate game at Wolves because they're his parent club, but you've got two fixtures there, Brighton and Manchester City before that. So maybe it will be one he's look at. So like I said, um, we might not agree with these decisions, but you can actually see where the manager's coming from. But yeah, it's been it's been a tough it's been a tough time for, for Michael Keane. And as Gav says, he's one of those players when things aren't going his way, he's maybe not as sort of sh- sh- won't as naturally shrug that off as perhaps others mm-hmm. others might do. So yeah, it's a it's a, a real big call ahead of the trip to Brighton. Well, please make some valid points there, Gav. For me, when it comes to Jeremy, and surely it's a case of if he's available, and okay, his future may not lie in Everton, but given he's you know you know a lot of money and not played very much in his time at the club so far, that they should look to squeeze every last ounce that they possibly can out of him between now and the end of the season, especially if it could be crucial in terms of preserving the Premier League status. The whole thing of thinking ahead for me just seems a little bit well incredibly naive, given that you know they shouldn't be looking past the next the next game on. Monday nights, let alone you know to next season, it should just be on the now and always get your best players on the pitch and try and get yourself over the line. Yeah, you get the impression that if Keane hadn't played for Burnley under Dice, would he be getting the game? Would mm. probably be another point you did make, and also obviously that's also enhanced by the fact that Tarkovsky also played at Burnley with him. Yeah, I mean that's incredible. I mean, I think me did me to play Moises like uh, Lampard's last game as well. Yeah, West Ham. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, didn't he play close to a full game there? So his fit, his, his fully fitness level, full fitness levels go back even before his bench bench days. Yeah, I know we played well. I think certainly going forward on Monday, twenty three shots, whatever it was, and how many loads on target. But it's quite clear that we are struggling defensively, and. If, if we don't sort of, you know, talk about winning games two of the last four, that's going to be based on keeping clean sheets, I think. And I think we've got to defend better. And I just don't, it, it's no it's no risk, is it? I don't, I don't see what the risk is on being bringing me in it in for the rest, you know, in, in terms of where we are as a team. And I, I think it has to be an option. It has to be considered and, and put into place because it's just not happening. But Michael Keane, is it really? And I don't want to be disparaging the lad, but you know, Chris says is that that he's a, he, he literally wears his heart on the sleeve, doesn't he? Keen and obviously the short, short short sleeve sleeve shirt as well, isn't it? Looking what he said on, on Monday, um, but yeah, he, he wears his heart on the sleeve a little bit, doesn't he? You know, he's having a bad day, and I, I'd just say, Mike, just I'd take him, I'd take him out of the game for for Monday because Brighton are the type of team, aren't they? They are quick. Play the ball quick, passive movements, finding space—the type of get opponent that he really, really struggles against. And I, I you know, we'll talk about Brighton at some point later in the week, probably. But um, yeah, I, I, I just bring me in, then, or I'd have pushed Cozy, to be honest with you, because it's just not working defensively for us, and, and that we're seeing again on Monday. Bees, I think the big debate from Monday night's game, which everyone has got an opinion on. Mm-hmm. We were in the office debating this long into the night after wow. the full time was so it went. Was <coughs> Sean Dyche right not to make any changes? Yeah, yeah absolutely apart from the, the enforced the, one. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. the enforced one. Yeah. But Jordan, that second half, was the Everton manager right to stick by that team that went out for the second half? 
was you surprised not to right, see well, changes? Well, well, what I will say is that um, he, he'll say he was right and that they came back to get a share of the spoils. But yeah, I, was, I would have made changes personally. Um, I think we have to, rightly or wrongly, we now live in the, the era of the five Premier League substitutes. Mm. And I, I suppose he would say one of his reasons, I know obviously he doesn't like disrupting it, but he might say that there's um, a lack of options, there's a genuine lack of options to change things. But I'd I'd think about, uh, yeah, Awobi had done well, he recovered and, and scored his goal, but you know the players were, were tired, they put a lot in, a lot of, that's nothing of Sean Dyche's style. I mean, it's a very physically demanding style. And you had the likes of Abdelaide Corey in the middle, James Garner, who both done well, but were flagging towards mm-hmm. the end, slowing down. You had like-for-like options there. After Marty Gray, surely the Marty Gray coming back to Leicester City, one of his former clubs, point to prove um, the full-backs were sort of getting stretched. Um, it was one of them on a booking. Um, there was, it seemed like an ideal opportunity to bring some fresh legs on and uh, bring Damari Gray into the action. Um, impact player um, off the bench, he is somebody on that bench who you could genuinely look at say, yo, he is a game changer. He is somebody who could come on when the, the opposition are tied in and uh, run at them. So, yeah, um, I've, I've made um, ch- changes myself. It does, it does seem... Uh, I mean, it helps me on my player ratings. There's less ones to do um, when I'm when I'm busy um, totting all those up. But yeah, uh, it's surprising, isn't it? That given you know what other managers do now and the changes you can make and impact on the games because of your options, what you've got up your sleeve. That uh, he, he seems so reticent to, to make no switches. Maybe the true theory behind Sean, I think, is being revealed, revealed there. But he's, maybe he's thinking he's you. doing me a favour. Maybe he's just doing you a favour. Yeah, I'd believe me. I don't think he goes out of his way to. <laughs> to do favours for my colleagues and myself. But, no, no, Gav, same, same question to you. Obviously, was you surprised to see, you know, a lack of activity on, off the Everton bench? Yeah, but we, we spoke about this on Friday, didn't we, about Dice's performance so far. And one of the points we made was that his, his use of substitutions and the lack of them have been the moderate at best. Yeah, there was, because of the nature of the game, it was a very emotional game, wasn't it, really, on, on Monday, you would say. It was, everybody put the, put 100% energy in it, into it, didn't he, physically and mentally, off both teams. And the last 20 minutes, there was three or four players on our side that were flagging, weren't they? I don't think Garner's got a full, as in James Garner's got a full 90 in him, a full pelt. thought McNeil looked a little bit, you know, you know, he looked as if he was struggling. And I, I think it was crying out for, for Gray and probably maybe Onana as well. I mean, to be fair, <laughs> You know, we were on uh, social media at half time. We wanted some at half time. People wanted was a Wolby off the pitch, wasn't it? And then he scored in the second half. So, yeah, you can be proved right there uh, sometimes, can't you? Keeping them on the pitch. But, yeah, I mean, it's one of these things at the end of the season when you look back and think, I wish we'd done that. And as I say, I wish we played Mina. I wish we put a few subs on against Leicester and maybe, you know, put all that extra effort in for a, for a win. And it, it, I don't know why Dice has got this thing, really. He seems to be quite obsessed about shape, doesn't he? About keeping shape. And he was talking about that, wasn't he, at the Palace game, um, about why he kept Hallgate on at half-time rather than take him off, even though he was on a yellow and he was getting, you know, he was getting torn to bits on the, on the right-hand side. And he, he was talking about the shape of the team, wasn't he? And I think... Uh, that to me is what is 
it is rationale is he likes eleven at start to stay on the pitch because they've all got a game plan and keep the shape that he wants in that match. And as you spoke about tactically in the past, he seems unwillingly to change the shape unless forced because we've been rubbish like against Fulham. Unwilling to change the shape of the team in game. But sometimes you got to because the couple of players were fatigued there badly on uh, Monday and it could have cost us. But he's always now to put with Damari Gray because he seems to be the, the big talking point from the substitutes that Dice didn't roll Dice and bring on, you know, the forward thinker attacker mind of Damari Gray. It's probably the only Everton player, only player in the Everton team who has the ability to do something else and nothing that like we saw at Man City way the Etihad. Is it just a case now that we're seeing brutally that Sean Dice just doesn't fancy him? And that's why he's not getting a look in because there's no other reason really is he to suggest why he wouldn't turn to him. He doesn't seem to fancy him, certainly a, a wide, given that uh, for a time he, he, he did it, you know, in, in difficult circumstances, it was quite an effective job as a false mm-hmm. number nine. And uh, um, he liked him in, in that role. But yeah, he, given that the demands that he wants with his wingers tracking pattern, putting a real shift in. And as, as Gav mentioned there, Dwight McNeil, um, flagging towards the end, he put a real shift in. He, he not just shooting on sight, but driving from deep, or whatever you think about him. You know, he 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 really puts in the effort um, for the team. Um, but yeah, he, at the moment, um, as a winger, he, he's not going to be sort of given that sort of sort of indulge. Maybe sounds a bit mm. uh, harsh, but you know, I suppose he's not. Uh, he's He's, he's sort of a, a player of, of, of magic moments often at last but um, yeah um, it, I can understand why he's not starting with him but um, I certainly think that there's, there's a role for him coming coming off the bench and, and again in those circumstances going to your, to your former club and where legs are tired in uh, surprised you didn't give him you know, you know 10, 15, 20, 20 minutes at the end but I certainly think for starting he probably doesn't trust him as, as much as he does with, with Alex Awobi who's moved back out wide because he knows mm. with Awobi for whatever his faults, he's going to put a real sort of shift. He's going to do a lot of running for you backwards as well as forwards. So maybe not so much sideways. <laughs> I thought you were going to go sideways yeah. after <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one area that he can strictly stay yeah. off limits. But, but Gav, you know, are you surprised? Are we seeing like the way, with, with the snub of Demario Gray, the way Dice perhaps will go next season and it'll be a lot, a lot more kind of, I don't like using this phrase, but a lot more workhorse 11 than and maybe luxury players who can create something else and nothing, but we're already seeing the signs of what whatever might be next season because, you know, like I say, for a lot of fans, the, the kind of, the, the continued snub of Damari Gray is one that baffles. And, and for me, it's, it's now kind of on par with, you said about the question of Yeri Mina not playing. Well, it's almost like the, the question of, like, why doesn't he turn to Damari Gray? You know, it, it's all, again, now it's like another question that seems to rear its head after each game. Yeah, I mean, assuming next season, assuming we stay in the Premier League, uh, Connor, yeah, either obviously. Way, either way, essentially, isn't it? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know what you're saying. It's like it's like his Burnley side, isn't it, really? Mm. It's, 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 Chris is right, isn't it? It's like he doesn't trust him out wide, does he? Which I get. You know, you get that and you, you want somebody to work hard in Dice's system. He has trusted him when he's had to play him up front. Hasn't he really? Because he's picked them three or four times at least up front. But that's really irrelevant to this conversation. Is they're coming on as a sub with ten minutes left when the whole shape of the game's gone? Well, it's so open. It was a basketball match, wasn't it? Yeah, you, you, you know, 
working hard and hogging the right flank and, you know, working hard up and down and all that type of stuff and work rate. So it's gone, gone through the Windsor. I mean, to be fair, that gone through the Windsor after about a minute, hadn't it? It wasn't that type of game. So in that, that context, bringing Gray on, as I say, it's, it's, a, it's a low risk. It's not going to work against you that much because lots of other things in the game, the way it's gone, tactically are working against you. And he does possess a threat. And as I said quite rightly, when you, you spoke about his introduction, he's the one player we've got. You could imagine in that scenario, if he came on the pitch, the one player on the pitch, possibly with Madison, who could bring something of the unexpected to the uh, the game was great. And I just thought it was I just thought it was an opportunity, really. And um hopefully we don't live to regret it. But he has to he has to think a little bit more about these substitutions. He's too much obsessed with shape for me. And too often at the end of the game, the game's lost shape because the opposition have made substitutions as well. Isn't it? That, that's the other thing, isn't it, Connor? Is if the opposition brings subs up, their, their shape changes. How they've started the game has probably changed. So you need to react. And he doesn't seem to do that either. And that's where we've also found problems. So it was uh, yeah, strange. And I hope we don't need to regret it. Do you think, Doug, I've just, just stick with you there? Because, you know, I know we spoke about this on Friday, but, you know, Sean Dice, I don't think, is not completely blameless from in terms of the kind of the situation they've find themselves in certainly recently. But do you think now he's almost in that position, Sean Dice, where he's leaving a lot of questions that remain unanswered and, and he's almost bringing on difficulties himself because he seems so stubborn and he seems so kind of fixated by the small things that mean that the big things don't happen almost. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get that. I mean, let's face it, he's, at the same time, he's closer to us and I don't think we should get ourselves in a, into a position where fans you know, pick the team and influence team selection. But yeah, and it goes back to what I'm saying. This is the theme, isn't it? What, what I've been saying today is I don't want to get to the end of the season and you look back and say, I wish I'd done that. I don't know, opportunity to do that, but I played it too safe. I went with what I knew when actually I could have taken a, a, something, a decision I paid off for, for us, both defensively in terms of time of defence or on occasions, increased our attacking potential to get, to get a win. When when it was Jordan and and I think I think that's that's the position he's in at the moment, isn't it? He's he's in that territory where he may look back at the end of the season and think if worse comes to the worst, that I wish I'd done something different in some of them games in terms of my selection and in game management. And I think that's where he is leading them. And quite rightly, he's he's leaving himself open to scrutiny from some Everton supporters. Well, a lot of Everton supporters going by the post-match reaction to Leicester even though it was largely positive I think to be fair there's that nagging thing in the back of your mind we could have got a little bit extra there if we'd taken the risk mm. I think Bobby's one big positive from Monday night was Donna Calvert loom back on the score sheet yeah. although penalty, although penalty <laughs> still a big moment for the forwards and, and you get the feeling he's going to be absolutely crucial isn't he, in these next four games because if Everton are to find a way to, to win and get themselves over the line you suspect he's going to be at the forefront of it yeah, he'd like to hope so, wouldn't you? Obviously, those two goals at the end of last season, um, was it Brentford and Crystal Palace? Obviously, Brentford mean anything, but um, he scored then, so if he's got another couple of his sleeve, yeah. Um, it'd only been the, the one goal, wouldn't it? Uh, Crystal Palace um, and the 3-0 until until that one, but it's just the general way that he played. As we said, he missed that golden opportunity after that when uh, he seemed to hit his shin. Was it Dwight McNeil's cross from the left? He really should have scored there, but hopefully he'll take a lot of encouragement from that on that 
performance and the fact that he's, as the manager said, he's looking stronger, he's looking sharper now. He even made a point of actually thanking Deitch because Deitch has had a lot of stick, obviously, while Covert Loom was out. It's, you know, there's a lot of asking about it and why was he being like this? And he, you know, he was wanting him to be properly ready to be at a level which he felt he could perform at and be effective in a, in a Deitch team. And uh, it took him nearly three months. But, um, if he, obviously, he's there now. What's he had there? Is it three games uh, under his belt now, back on, on the score sheet, like say, albeit by the penalty spot? Hopefully, um, it bodes well because, yeah, these last four games now and getting a couple of goals or so from Calvert Lewin could, could really make a, all the difference in what is going to be, obviously, looks like a, a real sort of tight finish. Gav, you know, Beast just on it there in terms of, you know, Calvert Lewin thanking Dyson in terms of the way he's managed his comeback. Just that almost sounds the critics a little bit when it comes to, to Donald Cavalier, because obviously there was a lot of talk around, you know, was it him maybe reserved, reserving himself? Was it the club not wanting to risk him? But now it, it generally feels like when it comes to Calvert-Lewin, everyone was on the same page and everyone's been singing from the same hymn sheets again to the position he's in now. Yeah, I mean, I'm also, when, when play start, thanking the managers and stuff, I'm always a little bit, you know, we are all right, yeah. You, you know, it's good, you've got to say that, but... <laughs> You know, but, you know, I, I, yeah, it, it, it's an incestum on this, isn't it? I mean, the counters to that, and I was thinking about this, how many games has Calvert-Lewin played today? Is it today? Yeah. Has he played yeah, 90 minutes yeah. or close to 90 minutes in all those three of those matches? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he played 90 minutes yeah. with power squad for stoppage times. Yeah. Because the counter to that is... Haven't had all these injury problems. He's back on the grass and stuff like that. Doesn't play for months, and then all of a sudden, he's fit enough to last three three ninety minute games in nine days. But but where I'm coming from that is, if he's if his fitness levels are that you know that good, could he not have got on the bench for a few matches before then? Mm. You know, you don't you don't go from no fitness to fitness being fit enough to play ninety minutes three times in nine days, do you? Really, there's that middle ground, and I'm just wondering that middle ground that he was actually again taking an educated risk, putting put them on the bench. It just it, that's that's the strange thing I find about him coming back. I, I do welcome it, and and Cal, he has got a point that is testimony to his comeback and the way it's been managed that he's, he's managed to last the pace in three matches. But I've just got that nagging doubt in my mind that if he's that fit. Surely he could have got on the bench for a couple of games when we needed him. I think he played 80, was it 80 minutes against Newcastle on Thursday night, wasn't it? And he came off, didn't he, just after the, the fourth goal went in? Probably because the game was I gone. I think, but point, because yeah. the game was gone, maybe they, they just thought, get him off and protect yeah. him. Because, you, know, you, you know what I'm saying there, though, don't you? But you, you know, you yeah. are right in the sense of, he probably could have done 90 minutes if Everton were winning 1-0 and we're hanging on. You suspect he's been on the pitch for, for 90 minutes. The, the, yeah, yeah, you know. and I just, I just thought, I just think there's a bit strange. All these injury he's problems, really, but he's fit enough to play ninety minutes in three to eight on the field at ninety minutes three times in nine days. You certainly look like I think at the Fulham game more than all, more than anything. I think because he not gone on the bench for that, and you certainly yeah. think there were two, two ones down after, on the hour mark. Could he have not thrown on for the last half an hour and, and maybe just you know got thirty minutes out of it that way? You know, you you do. You know, because for them to come back a week later at Palace, like you say, Gavin, doing pretty much 90 minutes, when everyone let's face it, we all thought he'd be on the bench and he'd get yeah. half an hour would be a bit of bonus. Something that doesn't really quite add up, does it? No, you know, no, it doesn't. 
it doesn't. I, I mean, I mean, we've had all sorts of conspiracy theories, haven't we, while he's been absent and, and coming back is, in many respects, I sort of raised more questions than answers yeah. the way, the way yeah. about that period, to be honest with you. It's just a bit of a strange one for me. I'll be welcome, welcome. At least he's come back and played, you know, 33 full games. He can't complain there. Right, gents, I think we will leave things there. I think we've chewed the fat enough around all things Everton and Leicester City. But of course, we'll be back on Friday afternoon to look ahead to Everton's Monday visit to Brighton and the Amex as the Blues go in search of a second three-point on the road this season and also look ahead at the bigger relegation picture as a huge weekend of fixtures awaits the clubs at the bottom fighting to avoid the drop. But for today, thank you very much for listening to the Royal Blue Podcast. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.